Hey everybody, March 9th, doing a breakfast with Bill, but it's not breakfast time, it's, it's, um, it's late brunch, I guess, uh, maybe even close to second lunch. I know this morning, uh, uh, I was talking to a guy and, uh, um, talked about first breakfast and second breakfast. Um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> and those of you that don't know about that, one of two things, either you don't watch, um, uh, the Lord of the Rings slash Hobbit series, or um, you haven't grown up around a good farm family that, you know, just has different meals at different times. Uh, okay, going to talk a little bit about CRP and the effect of, the you know, the, the Russian-Ukrainian invasion, um, the high food prices, you know, and even before the Russians jumped off in Ukraine, I always thought we were still going to have an acreage battle rally and we were going to have a weather scare rally in the United States. Now, if we actually had a true weather event, then that, that, uh, that and, and I'm telling you what, with, with all the stuff going on in Ukraine, um, and, and, you know, there's, these government reports are coming out and, you know, I would caution anybody uh, that get too upset one way or another. Cu- couple things. First off, no, but we're in uncharted waters. Nobody really knows in quote unquote the modern, you know, just in time delivery economy, what a huge shooting war like we got going on, big land war in Eastern Europe. W- what's that going to do to everything? And I don't think any government economist, whether career or political appointee, is going to come out there with really, for lack of a better word, bullish to prices numbers when you got the president talking about, you know, war profiteering, uh, excessive profits, you know, uh, the inflation is everybody else's fault but mine, the high oil prices is everybody everybody else's fault but mine, which... I mean, you got the facts and figures. Yeah, and yes, I'm getting to CRP, but let me digress here for a second. Yes, they can talk about, well, we got more drilling permits than what, you know, so-and-so had. Well, yeah, because you announced that in 30 days you're going to restrict the permits. Everybody and their dog rushed in there and got a permit. Um, And it's the perception of how friendly you're going to be to a certain business in a way, determines a lot of how businesses are going to react to your policies and your administration. And, you know, basically, I think everybody knew when they came in there, they were going to drive the price of energy up so their green energy could work. Because we all know that green energy does not work when carbon-based energy is cheap. Green energy is expensive, so green energy has to have expensive oil, expensive natural gas, which causes expensive coal. I mean, they need all that to to make the green energy work. Now, that doesn't mean if you're a farmer out there and somebody comes along and offers you an, you know, an outlandish amount of money for a solar farm or they offer you good money for a wind farm, you shouldn't take that money and run. Um, you can't, you know... Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Cartman from South Park, you know, um, you know, no, you, know you, 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 make your, you make your deal and then you sell out, cash in and bro down, you know, um, 
if 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 that opportunity comes along, you got to do it. That doesn't mean you maybe agree with the overall standing policy, but you know they're also going to come there. Well, you know, green energy makes us energy independent from them because we don't have to depend on them. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But you know, I I still quote where France has a lot. What seventy percent of their electricity is made by nuclear power plants, and their electricity is half the price of Germany. But I digress. Let's talk about CRP. Okay, a lot of people are saying, okay, if Ukraine can't, if Ukraine and Russia can't get the stuff out the door, we got to do something to replace it. And I'm more, there was an academic guy, I won't call him out because I don't want to, you know, I don't want anybody, you know, jumping up and down on him, but I think he's pretty much onto something. Um, he, I'm, you know, he asked a question, I made a comment, and he came back, yeah, I think I pretty much agree with you. Um, that you're probably going to get half the grain out of Ukraine and Russia. Now, how much is going to get planted? Well, these high prices and the fact that people are, are lacking for food, some of it's going to get planted. But, you know, you're hearing people that are behind the Russian lines in Ukraine saying, hey, they took all my diesel fuel. I don't have any diesel fuel for my tractors because they, you know, the Russian army's got s- supply logistics issues and p- a lot of armies. In the United States Army is probably the only one that doesn't do this, but a lot of armies depend on quote unquote living off the land. You know, they they depend on uh, you know stealing you know fuel. Hey, the Battle of the Bulge. One of the things that happened to the Germans, they didn't push far enough and get to the American petrol supply depots where they couldn't fill up their tanks and they ran out of fuel. Just think if they'd have pushed on a little bit farther, got the fuel, got fueled up, got ready to roll some more. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's it's crazy to think that you know a lot of people say, well, they didn't, but the logistics that that and what I mean by that the Russian army didn't have better logistics planning, but very very few armies plan the logistics. I mean. You look, especially the, the, the first and the second Iraq war, how the United States military basically moved everything half a world away and still had the logistics in place. And we still had a few logistics. You always have logistic problems. You always outrun your fuel supply. You always outrun your supplies. You just do that if things are going good direction for you. Um, and I think it's, I think it's bogged the Russians down. Doesn't mean that they're not going to eventually, you know, if, if, they got a lot of mass here to still push, you know, but maybe not. I don't know. You, you, you wonder, but you got to remember it took, what, six weeks for Germany to take France. And when they actually started, you know, attacking France, they got into some of those big forts and stuff and things didn't, things didn't roll their way to all of a sudden they started rolling their way. And then, oh my gosh, it's over. And the British are starting to back up and pull out and it's over. But it still took them six weeks, and we're just into what the, the really the beginning of the third week. But Ukraine is like the size of Texas. But okay, back to CRP. The Conservation Reserve Program has a lot of acres in it, but the the original intent of the program, yeah, it was it was sold as conservation and everything else. It was to take acres out of production. It was to take whole fields out of production. It was to take the more highly erodible ground. And partly, too, you had a number of farmers that didn't have the no-till equipment. We didn't have some of the herbicide options and stuff that we have today. And they had either, you know, wind erosion ground out 
west, or like in the Midwest, you you had some quote unquote rough pasture ground that had been broke out because of the huge increase in grain prices in the early seventies. You know when we last had you know massive inflation brought apart mainly because of the Russia communists inability to manage their food supply in southern Russia and Ukraine, and you had the Great Russian Grain Robbery um, back there in the 70s. And so a lot of ground got broke out, and that ground was highly erodible. That ground, you know, either wind or or slope. What I mean by slope, you get in the Midwest, you get a lot of rain on, you know, steep ground. The dirt tends to move from the top to the bottom along with the water. Uh, so, you know, they came along with the Conservation Reserve Program to take a lot of acres out of production, put it into, you know, hunting and trees and grass and, you know, birds and butterflies, um, wild animals. So, that worked, uh, along with some other things, the drought of 1988 combined with taking acres out in 86 and 87, uh, things started to get better, and then we kind of kept going along in the 90s with the Conservation Reserve Program. And then, you know, you, you got into the 2000s a little bit farther along. You got food prices a little bit higher. And, and, and you've seen some changes in the CRP program. It got targeted to environmental benefits. You know, you got the environmental index benefit. You know, if you put it in, you got to score enough points. Back in 86 and 87, all you had to do is walk in and tell them, hey, I've been mold board plowing this uh, ground every year, whether you were or not. Oh, okay, meets the highly erodible uh, level. Put it in CRP. Okay, let's go. We'll put it in CRP. Uh, well, but when you, when you kind of get all that put together and you, you look at how the program has changed... You know, there's a lot of this butterfly um, habitat that was real expensive to put out there. Uh, not much haying and grazing value. The filter strips, which in my mind, the filter strips has got the best grass available for cheap cow feed. But it's one practice that the environmentalists just will not let you hay and graze in most cases. Uh, CRP waterways. A uh, lot of lot of lot of gully erosion has been tackled, along with the fact that they generally put a tile in with that, so you get some free drainage along with that CRP waterway. And uh, in most cases, they'll let you graze or or bale half that waterway. Maybe not graze it, but bale it for sure. And and then you still have your large tracks, but you know there's a lot of those those two that are in tree practices especially the the riparian buffer, the stuff along streams, the stuff down in quote-unquote bottomlands. Um, and, and it's not the bottom of the river. It's, it's called a river bottom. It's where if the river overflows its banks and floods, i.e. go look at some pictures of the Mississippi or the Missouri or the Ohio, Ohio flooding, it's the ground that gets covered when the water gets really high. Okay. A lot of that ground got put into trees. Well, trees are a little hard to move out. And I know some people are saying, well, let's just do it for one year. The problem is if you do it for one year, are we, we, is the United States government going to then pay cost share to have you put the cover back down? And if you got expensive cover, um, what's that going to cost? And is the farmer going to have to cost share half of that? You know, it, it, 
where it's just straight grass, that's a little bit different deal. And I know we got mid-management practices. Well, I got a I got a couple little ideas on what to do with CRP. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, I have got over 11 years practice of running a very large state, administering a pretty big CRP program. At one time, too, we had the largest conservation reserve enhancement program in the nation. Still maybe do. Um, you know, you know, done, done a lot of, done, been there, done that, seen it, uh, worked with a lot of people. And I can tell you, anytime you start messing with the, the Conservation Reserve Program, you're going to get everything from the leftist greenies to Ted Nugent upset. And why is the Nuge going to be upset? Well, he's a big hunter, you know, bow hunter, you know, hunting deer, hunting all this other stuff, you know, turkeys and that. And CRP enhances a lot of that hunting. And so you're, the Theodore Roosevelt Conservancy, Conservancy Group, um, and, and that appears to me from my interaction with them as a lot of wealthy landowners that probably own ranches and stuff, but they want the government to pay them for their CRP on these ranches they bought so that you know can pay taxes and upkeep on their ranch. Um, and then they can go out, you know, Montana, Wyoming and hunt big elk and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You, I mean, you're going to have all kinds of groups come at you if you start messing with CRP. But I think there's a couple things you can do. One, a whole lot of the Western United States, the Great Plains, the Southern Plains, even Iowa, is starting to get into to drought monitor status. And I could I think you could probably change the rules some to say it doesn't have to be in as big a drought status. You know, maybe only drought one or drought two, you know, not not farther along, and for less time, and maybe drought during the non-growing season, i.e. this winter, and then you could get it released for haying and grazing. And then I think you work on getting filter strips released for haying, maybe not grazing, but haying definitely, because those filter strips, I mean, that's generally your best ground in the farm right there by that drainage ditch or by that creek. And you're going to have a lot of volume of grass in those areas uh, because it's not up on that sandy hill. It's down there by that wet floodplain. And you're going to be able to get a lot of tonnage off of those. So I think you could make the change on some of the rules on early release of haying and grazing. And I know they're going to scream about the nesting period. I know it. But I think, I think you just say, hey, we're in a war. We're in a crisis with food. You know, Ukraine and Russia are these big food producers, and, and we're going to bail this stuff. We're not going to permanently tear it up. We're going to, it's going to be able to grow back. Um, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hay and we're going to graze it. So I think you could do you can wiggle around on some rules to get more of that done. And you say, why is that? Well, if I need 200 bales or 300 bales or 400 bales or 500 bales to get through my winter cow feeding season, if I take that off a of CRP ground, now we're going to argue that maybe the quality's not as good and everything else, but if they allow you to mow it earlier, the quality won't be as bad. And... 
we can supplement that with a, with a number of protein sources. And I know those protein sources are high priced right now. But that allows you to then take your hay fields and turn it into corn, soybeans, or possibly even spring wheat production. <sighs> okay, so let, let's, let's talk about this. Um, and I tell you what, most people now, the spring wheat, probably not. You're going to have to tear it up and plant the wheat. But in especially in corn and bean country, that hay ground, you could take that first cut in hay off of it and then plant soybeans. If you can get the right herbicides to kill your stuff, and that probably means getting round up later in the season to, to you know, round up those grasses, um, you, can, you can take a cutting of hay, and then, then you're not going to worry about your second, third, or fourth cutting, but you're going to take that first cutting off, which is the big volume, along with the CRP ground that they early released, and then that hay ground can go to a crop. And so that helps production. Then the, the other thought I have on CRP is to do an early release. Okay, and I'll use the example. There's acres that are in for 2022, and this is the last, last quote-unquote, year they're in. Now, a lot of farmers want to re-enroll it for the next year, and if you have a break... In, in this stuff, it gets into all kinds of quasi-problems. Okay, suspend those rules. Say if it was in CRP, but you put it in production for several years here because of the uh, Ukrainian-Russian war, we're going to let you put it, re-enroll it back into CRP. And so you can set some of those rules aside. And then the other thing, especially for ground that's coming out in uh, 22... And even 23, I, I, that's what I would do. I would, I would, any ground coming out in 22 or 23, the farmer can take it out, no harm, no foul. And if you leave it in CRP until the 1st of April, uh, through the whole month of March, you'll get half your CRP payment. Because you got to remember, the fiscal year starts October 1. So October, November, December, January, February, March, six months, we're going to give you half your CRP payment. Uh, you can then take that out and get it ready for production. And, you know, whether you want to wait till it greens up and bale it and then, you know, put soybeans in it, or whether you want to go out there with a big offset disc or, you know, a, a chisel plow tomorrow. Um, well, not tomorrow, the 1st of April, sorry. You'd have to wait till the 1st of April to do this. Uh, you could do that, and that would allow the acres coming out in 22 and the acres coming out in 23 to be converted into crop production. The farmers would still get half their CRP payment. You're not taking it all out. You know, it. 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 In. In my mind, that's kind of a win-win, along with the early haying and grazing, which basically means we're just going to start haying and grazing it. You know. Uh, forget about the nesting season. We're going you, you, when you want to go out there and dismo it, go out there and dismo it and bail it up. And I know it'll, like I said, you're going to have everything from the communist green weenies to Ted Nugent upset. But I think you come back and say, we got a war going on. We got a food crisis. You know, do you want to see humans starve to death or do you want to take some of the CRP out a little early? Or do you want to hay and graze some of the CRP? And I think that could help. Is it going to be a whole lot of acres? Well, you know, 
if if you get two, three, four million acres hand grazed that maybe they normally wouldn't have been hand grazed, and you know they get the first cut in the hay off of it, but they turn that hay ground into production. Okay, there you're, you got two, three, four million acres there, and then I'm not sure how many acres are coming out in 22 or how many acres are coming out in 23. Somebody smarter than me can look that up. Somebody can ask USDA, but and not everybody would take them out, but the people that will want to could. So you get half your payment, and you 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 get a produce. And, and you can make the argument, hey, we're not taking it all out, just the stuff that comes out in 22 and 23. And we're not going to penalize those people that, t- that maybe take it out for just one or two years production. We're going to allow them to put it back into CRP to rebid it back in, you know, in the future. I think that's a couple solutions for CRP that, that are workable, that are just, for lack of a better word, we're going to try tweak the rules and tweak the contracts. I don't think that's going to take a whole lot of congressional action to get done. Um, I think the secretary has the authority to do a lot of it. And, and if not, let's dump a couple bills in the hopper and let's, let's, get her, let's get her up and running because planting season for us is coming right away. You know, a couple things just to finish. You know, you're hearing from some Ukrainian farmers. Social media is pretty good for that. This is the time of year that they would be putting nitrogen on wheat. Uh, and I can tell you in our neighborhood, it's going to get down to like 7 on um, Thursday night. So Friday and Saturday, there's going to be a lot of liquid nitrogen blowed on a lot of wheat fields. Because the ground's frozen. You can get out there. There's going to there's be, all, you know, the, the organic guys are going to be out there throwing their clover out in these wheat, in this wheat, you know, doing some frost seeding and and trying to get that finished up Friday and Saturday. And then, you know, next week we're getting into the 70s. So, you know, you, you better get out there where it's still freezing and thawing and frost seeding and, you know, get a chance. Well, we got a chance for a little bit of snow on top of it. Not a big chance, but a little bit of chance. But time is of the essence that they really want to do things. Of course, I, I don't know. You know, Tom Vilsack, smart guy. Um, but this administration doesn't really want to do much, in my mind, to increase domestic oil production. Are they going to do a lot? Are, are they going to go against the green groups to get more food production? That's an interesting question. One we're going to find an answer to. But those are just a couple of my ideas on CRP, what we can do, what we can't do about CRP. Um, you know, just, um, it's, it's, in, in my opinion, it's one of those deals that very rarely come along, but when they come along, uh, what can we do administratively to help people quote unquote, ease the pain of a whole lot of poor people around the world that are maybe going to be short of wheat or not be able to afford the wheat to eat. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I know farmers, our expenses are through the roof. I know you're all going to need a lot of money to pay a lot of these expenses. But I also know, too, that a lot of our suppliers are looking at the price. And they kind of like, hmm, here's the price plus this. This is what I need for my product. If the price was lower, that plus this would be lower. It just would be. 
And and the fertilizer deal is going to be nuts for a while anyway. But that's another story for another time. Hey, that's just a couple ideas I got on CRP. Um, you know, just let hanging and grazing on on it right now so people can plan on it. So they can, like I said, convert their hay ground then into crop production. They can get their hay off their CRP. And then people that's got contracts expiring in 22 and 23, let them have an early out. Give them 50% of this year's payments. Um, release it the 1st of April, and they can put it into crop production. Just a simple way in my mind that we can get more food being produced. Well, hey, smartest audience in agriculture. Thanks for listening.